ducking the walls and wrapping around the Christmas tree this week? Um, I think you kind of got that backwards, Leela. Oh, no, I didn't. That was very deliberate because our gift to you is an episode full of upside down and inside out oddballs. Over here! Hey, 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 listen up! And I'm Lindy. And this is Newsy Paloozy, the only world news podcast for curious kids and adults. And since Hanukkah and Christmas are upon us, why don't you dig into our archives and hear the story of Hanukkah in episode 24 and our special about how people all over the world celebrate Christmas in episode 78. But for now, our gift to you is a wrap of this year's wackiest news stories. Yes, this is the best of our oddball stories from 2022. So sit back and be prepared to drop your jaw or laugh out loud, or both. Step right up, step right up. Step right up. Have a go the lucky dip machine. The lucky dip machine. What's it going to be today, eh? An oddball, no doubt. An oddball, no doubt. Snotty. Or do I mean spongy? Excuse me? Well, despite not having nerves, muscles, or even brains, sea sponges have a certain power. What, like a superpower? Eh, no. I wouldn't go that far. I'm talking about this. Achoo! Uh, bless you. That wasn't me. It was my friend, Sponge. Uh, come again? Yes, sponges. Not the ones you use to clean your kitchen and wash your dishes with. But sea sponges found in, yes, the sea, can sneeze. Achoo! Okay, okay, not that kind of human sneeze, I admit. Sea sponges take like half an hour to do this. Achoo! Oh, you get the drift. They might take forever, but the purpose is the same. To eject waste. Wait, like sea sponge snot? Yup. Yuck. <laughs> oh, their ability to eject clumps of mucus from their bodies in a sneeze-like way is well known, but exactly how they do it was a mystery. Until now. Thanks to scientists from the University of Amsterdam. Uh, oh, looks like we'll have to go to our Amsterdam correspondent, Tafunmi Fagade, for more on this story. That's right. Take it away, Tafunmi. Thanks, Leela. If I say sponge, I bet you think of a simple aquatic creature with dense skeleton, which are very porous, as in lots of holes. Holes that are really good at soaking things up, right? Yes. Our ancestors really did use dead sea sponges to soak up things. Today, though, most sponges found in kitchens and bathrooms are synthetic, human-made. So, what you probably don't think of when I say sponge is snotty, right? Well, think again, because that's exactly what marine biologists at the University of Amsterdam have found. They captured time-lapse videos and saw the sponges making a sneeze-like contraction or movement inward. And then they saw tiny specks of snot exiting from the sponges in what they described as a mucus highway. Yuck or what? 
Well, actually, it's not only part of the cleaning process, which most creatures on Earth do, but it's some cool upcycling too. About a fifth of this knot is rich in carbon and nitrogen, making it good for other animals like shrimp to eat. Yummy! Not yuck! In Amsterdam, I'm Tofumi Fagade, reporting for Newsy Paloozy. Yik indeed. Still, thanks for that snot shot of news to fool me. Breaking news: There's unidentified mysterious blue goop, as in goopy sea balls at the bottom of the Caribbean. Ah,、uh, excuse me. This is not made up, folks. Unidentified blue goo creatures are mystifying scientists after they spotted the motionless blobs on the sea floor near the Virgin Islands. Not just one, but several. You want to know what they look like? Well, imagine one of those stress relief balls with soft, spiky bumps all over it. But you know, gooey. Oh, I know what you mean. Well, maybe that's what they are at the bottom of the sea. Except they're gooey. Oh, I see. So far, scientists have just seen them from afar, from the camera on board a remotely operated vehicle. Right now, they think they could be soft coral, or sea sponge, or maybe even tunicate. Whatever that is. Oh, that bit I do know. Tunicate is gelatinous marine invertebrate. Gelatinous, as in jelly. Marine, as in the ocean. Invertebrate, as in no spine. Sometimes referred to as sea squirts. Sweet. Maybe. How'd you like to step on one of those then? Ew. No, thank you. Of course, we'll have a link in our transcript so you can see the blue goo for yourself. If I say cocoa pops, soy sauce, polo mints, mayonnaise, ketchup, and Heinz baked beans, what do you say? I'd say you're really hungry. <laughs> well, yes. Come to think of it, I am. But no, wrong answer. Okay, okay. I'd say you're making. A grocery list, so we can restock the pantry. Wrong again. Think heat wave summer and food you need to cool down. Snow cones, slushies, sorbets, ice creams, but bingo, ice creams indeed. But those are condiments, cereals, and well beans. Oh, and did I mention the Worcestershire sauce? Yeah, not ice cream. Well, try telling that to London, which is sulking right now as the ice cream project pop-up has just shut down after a triumphant summer of serving weird ice creams. You have to be kidding me. No, ma'am. Have a look on social media, where the weird, wacky flavors have created a buzz, inspiring some to travel all over Britain just to get a lick. Some lines are said to have taken two hours to get through too. For baked bean ice cream. Yup, and that's a bestseller too, along with soy sauce, only to be beaten by cocoa pops and frosties, which top the list. And just when you think the British are stuck in their ways and don't like change. Yeah, but it's probably just the heat. Well, this story is a bit odd and well spooky. Oh, why? Well, what would you think if a drought came and dried out a body of water 
only for mud-covered buildings to appear out of the cracked earth. Uh, yeah, creepy. Honestly, this sounds like another April Fool story, but it's totally real. And since it comes from Spain, I'm gonna hand over the oddball mic to our favorite Barcelona correspondents, siblings Nina and Marky Granjena, who have the whole story of the abandoned village that reappeared after 30 years. Ooh. <laughs> Take it away, you guys. It was 1992, and the government in northern Spain had an idea. They wanted to start using hydroelectric power, which is electricity created by water power. Pretty cool, am I right? Yes. Well, in order to do this, they had to build a reservoir, which is kind of like a big lake. But I'm talking like a really, really, really big lake. Okay, but how do you make a lake? Imagine a river running between two mountains in the valley. You take a dam and block the river and all the water starts filling up the valley. And voila, you have a big lake that can be used for hydroelectric power. I see. But wait, there are people living in that valley. There were homes, shops, schools, everything. What happened to them? The government asked the people to move. They promised to buy them new homes in another town. So everybody said, okay. So after that, they blocked the river and everything started filling up with water. All those shops and schools where people used to live flooded. And there they sat at the bottom of the reservoir for years and years. Until now. I'll take it from here, Nina. So what happened was there was a big drought. And all that water dried out from the giant man-made lake. Um, it's a little more complicated than that. Actually, it's called evapotranspiration. Anyway, the water level started going down. As the water disappeared, the homes at the bottom of the lake started to reappear. Like a lost city. And it's kind of creepy. Like a ghost town. Mom says it's more like discovering treasures in the tub after your bath. From Barcelona, this is Nina Granjena and Marky Granjena for Newsy Palusi. It's an odd story with an even odder update. Oh, is it top-up time? Yep, but first we're going to replay the story we did way back in the autumn of 2020 in episode 16. Oh, yay. We get to hear your sweet younger voice right now. This story is about some very dumb art thieves. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to steal high art, it's a good idea to know what it is and how much it's worth. Indeed. This robbery took place in the island city of Hong Kong, just off the coast of China, in broad daylight. The thieves walked into an apartment building, pulled open an iron gate, and burst through the wooden door to get inside. Within two hours, the burglars walked out with $500 million worth of antique stamps, coins, and scrolls with fancy calligraphy writing. The thieves knew the apartment belonged to Fu Chun Yao. 
He's a well-known collector of stamps and art produced during the communist revolution last century. The thieves also seemed to know he wasn't at home, but he was on the mainland of China because of the coronavirus pandemic. What they didn't know was how valuable their booty was. And so when they went off to sell their stolen treasure, well, they didn't think twice about cutting the most prized possession in half. It was a valuable piece of calligraphy written by the famous revolutionary leader and founder of communist China, Chairman Mao. The thieves clearly didn't know how precious it was. They just thought it was too long to hang up. And so snip, snip, snip. Thank you, young Leela, for that story we did a year and a half ago. <laughs> Most welcome. Only now we know it wasn't the thieves who did the cutting. Mm. We've got an update. Go on, give me a tap up, please. It's top up time. 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 No. Yeah, now. It's top-up time. Right, so now we know the booty's value is closer to $645 million, not $500 million. Whoa, that's a grand theft. <laughs> yeah, but these dumb art thieves had no idea and sold it to an amateur collector, <laughs> meaning not an art expert, for way less. For instance, guess how much they got for the scroll, which alone was worth $300 million? Okay, a million dollars? Not even close. A hundred thousand dollars? Nowhere near that. You won't believe how much. I had to check this like five times to make sure it wasn't a mistake. Okay, go on. They sold the $300 million scroll for less than $25. $25, that's it. No way. Yes way, and it was the amateur collector who didn't know how precious the scroll was and cut it in half. So it could be, get this, more easily stored. Oh. Now we know. <laughs> Gosh, well that's what you get for not researching your work, right? <laughs> totally. They were all sent to jail for up to two and a half years. So these days we're all desperate to travel, right? Oh yeah. Well, it stands the reason that even our animals are keen to get out of the house and go, go, go. If they're used to it, I guess. Dogs and cats hop onto flights all the time, right? True. Even the occasional pesky fly and mosquito have been known to sneak on board. Yeah, I hate that. Well, then you'll hate what slithered on board a recent flight in the Southeast Asian country of Malaysia even more. No way, a snake? Yes way. Cue the music, Mama, while I dial up our Malaysia correspondent, Shaiba Jamshid, for the details. Take it away, Shaiba. Thanks, Leela. It's the kind of story you'd see in a silly, scary movie. Right? But I'm sorry to say, this is a true tale of a snake that snuck into a plane. The plane was leaving the Malaysian capital, Kuala Lumpur, on a three-hour flight. When all of a sudden, 
someone saw a long, thin, slithering shape. Luckily, it was behind an enclosed light fixture. Phew! But still, the captain took no time rerouting the flight to land ASAP. It's uncertain how the snake got on board, but I'm happy to report that no passenger was hurt. However, the fate of the stowaway snake is unknown. I think he just wanted an upgrade, don't you? In Kuala Lumpur, this is Shaiba Jamshid for Newsy Paloozy. Haha, <laughs> good one, Shaiba. The snake wanted an upgrade. I sure know that feeling. One day I'll be in business class. Still, no way I want to be on board a flight with a snake. I know, creepy. And while a snake on a plane is a very rare occurrence, some suspect there might be more than before because of COVID. COVID, huh? Well, during the travel bans, thanks to the pandemic, many planes were herded into the dry deserts of the U.S., Europe, and Australia. They had to be stored in places that were arid. That's a fancy word for dry. Away from any moisture or humidity in the air so that the plane doesn't get rusty, right? Well, what lives in the desert? Snakes! Right. And for a while, engineers have been dusting off aircraft, testing engines, and using a very fancy wheel whacker to scare away the slithery reptiles who love to curl up around the warm rubber tires, around the plane's wheels and brakes. I see. But what is a wheel whacker? Oh, it's a very high-tech device for whacking wheels. Okay, it's a broom handle, but it does the job. Anyone walking across a new bridge in Vietnam is in for an odd and even stomach-churning stroll. Oh, is it stinky? Not stinky, but scary. Possibly downright terrifying. Emphasis on the down bit. I'm so confused. It's pretty simple. The world's largest class-bottom bridge just opened in Vietnam's Son La province. How long is long, and um, what is below? We're talking a stretch of more than 2,000 feet, or 600 meters, above a very pretty green valley. And when I say above... Yeah? I'm talking about 500 feet, or 152 meters. Or put another way... A 50-story high building. Oh, yeah. That's not for anyone with some vertigo issues. Vertigo? Oh, that's a sensation of whirling and losing your balance, or your lunch, when you look down from a big height. Well, it might be a little reassuring to know the bridge's floor is made of three layers of super strong and thick glass. A little. Also, only 500 people will be allowed on the bridge at once. 500 is a lot. And they have to walk in one direction at a time? Uh, am I convincing you now? Yeah, okay, let's visit. Wait, really? No! <laughs> Odd doesn't quite cover the weirdness of this story. Well, we don't call them oddballs for nothing. What's the lucky dip machine spit out this week, then? Well, you've heard that phrase, we all need a shoulder to lean on. Oh, yeah, so true. That's because it's nice to lean up against a shoulder, right? Yep. Could it also be because shoulders are particularly strong? Well, 
don't think so. Because as body parts go, the shoulder muscle isn't exactly the strongest. No, that would be the masseter, or the jaw muscle, believe it or not, though it's very debatable. Uh, right. And yet, aren't humans great at doing the impossible? Yes. So imagine a piece of wood, roughly the size and shape of a reading book, placed between your two shoulder blades, otherwise known as your scapula. Attached to this wood is a long rope. And at the other end, it's attached to... Wait for it. A car! What? Would you pull down the street? Okay. (laughs) I know, total wonker brains. And the record for pulling the heaviest vehicle ever was done right here in India. Jai Hind! <laughs> okay, go India! Uh huh. Let's cut across to our sports correspondent, Yuvraj Singh, who has the details. Yes, Leela. In 2016, 18 year old Abhishek Chaube from the Indian state of Madhya Pradesh used his protruding shoulder blades. <sighs> protruding means they stick out. A lot to pull a Hyundai Accent car weighing 2,358 pounds, which is 1,070 kilograms. For which he was entered into the Guinness Book of World Records. And just two weeks ago, Abhishek was at it again, trying to break his own record. But now there's a new shoulder stunner on the block, right? Right. From all the way around the world in the island nation of Cuba, 22-year-old Christian Castellanos claims he's broken Abhishek's Guinness record using his super-strong scapulas to drag the slightly heavier 2,425-pound or 1,100-kg vehicle down a street for 25 meters. Whoa! That's not all. He says he's also crushed 82 beer cans between his shoulder blades in one minute, beating the Guinness record by 14 cans. But he's still waiting to hear from the Guinness folks whether he'll make it into their book or not. Meowzers, thanks for those details, Yuvraj. And what's really astonishing about this is both of these guys are what we might call super skinny. It just shows strength is not only about big muscles. So I have a question for you. What is the most expensive thing you've ever bought? Uh, my car? Wait, no, duh, a home. (laughs) Okay, and what's the most you've ever spent on, say, shoes? Uh, eight or nine hundred rupees. <laughs> it sounds like a lot in rupees, doesn't it? But that's just about eleven or twelve dollars, because I am cheap, as you know. Of course, twelve dollars goes a long way here. I could get a pizza or even two with that here in India. Yeah, okay. But if they were super cool or super trendy designer shoes, you might spend a few hundred dollars not rupees, right? Uh, no. Well, you better buckle up. Or should I say lace up, mama? Because there's some crazy news you're not going to believe. Oh, your godmother hasn't bought a pair of Jimmy Choo shoes, has she? Uh, no. They cost, what, one or two thousand dollars? That would be small fry compared to the three hundred fifty-two thousand dollars. 
that was recently paid for a pair of Nike's Air Force One shoes. What? Excuse me? Do they come with exclusive rights to fly on Air Force One? You know, the U.S. president's personal plane? Uh, no. Again, they're just super cool and super trendy, supposedly. Oh my. And a limited edition. Well, I should think so for that money. Made specially for the 40th anniversary of the original Nike Air Force One shoes. Since 1982, the sport shoes have been a huge hit worldwide. And to celebrate turning 40, Nike collaborated with the well-known French fashion house, Louis Vuitton. Whose first black artistic director, the late Virgil Abloh, designed them. Oh, don't tell me they've got that tan and brown Louis Vuitton initials all over them. Of course they do. Along with Nike's logo, the Nike swoosh. But... $350,000? I mean, that's a lot of pizzas. Never mind, you know, books, tuition, school lunches that that money could have been spent on, but mm, don't get me started. Or put another way, you could buy about nine big sport utility vehicles for that money. For one pair of shoes. And the wild thing is... Wait, there's more? Oh, yeah. There was an auction of 200 pairs of shoes. 200 people paid that much for shoes. Okay, uh, no, not everyone. $350,000 was the highest bid. And you know how an auction's bidding system works, right? Each bidder offers a certain amount of money that's higher than the previous. Right, so the price can go up and up and up as people worry they won't get the item. So Exactly. Actually, though, the organizers, the famous auction house Sotheby, expected the shoes to fetch just around $15,000 each. Just $15,000 each for a pair of shoes? But it was an online auction that went on for nearly two weeks with around 10,000 bids. And not surprisingly, most of the bidders were under 40 years old. Mm-hmm. But you will be pleased to know that all the proceeds will go to a charitable cause, the Virgil Abloh Scholarship Fund, which supports students of color to take up fashion and design careers. Well, that's something. Yes, it's an auction that touches the soul, wouldn't you say? Get it, soul? Like the one on the back of your shoe? <laughs> <laughs> well... At least we have humor. And that's a wrap. A shiny wrap with a pretty bow on top, in fact, of this week's special Best of Oddballs episode on Newsy Paloozy. Happy holidays, y'all. Happy Hanukkah and Merry Christmas. Oh, why don't you give the gift of this podcast this season? Yeah, tell a friend about us. Or, you know, even a stranger. If you want to. After all, who doesn't want to be informed? With a smile. Indeed. All right. See you next week in the Happy Spalashi Giant Newsy Palooza.